morning. We are so excited that you are here this morning joining us for our online worship. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. As you can see, we're in the worship center. You can see the cross behind us. There's new carpeting. There's new upholstery on the pews. And um, there's new paint. It smells brand new. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Last week, Jeff, you did a song for us. Yes, expectation. Yes, yeah. and you didn't even have to play the drums. I didn't. It was fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with that video. A lot of fun. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. You you sang it very very well. Well. Thank you. well, if you missed last week's message, you can go to the description box below and click on the link, and you'll see last week's message along with Jeff's song. Well, I'm so glad everybody's here today, and whether you just stumbled on the service today or you know you're a regular me member. We're glad you're here and, and welcome. Yes, we have some great music coming forward with Shane Campana and, and Becky Dorn. And you've already heard David Girard and his gathering music on the piano. So we are looking forward to the message. We have a guest speaker today, and that is retired United Methodist Pastor Russ Tompkins. He is really a great teacher. He has a message that's following along with our sermon series, and um, it's called Welcome to the Family. You know, he is a storyteller. Yeah, his stories are great, and it always helps me follow along. The story helps me remember, you know, the stories of the Bible, so... Yes, me too. I love hearing a good story and, and how it helps the principle seal in my spirit. So let's prepare our hearts and enjoy worship this morning. continuing on our adventure in Romans 8, looking for the promises from God. So be sure and grab your handy dandy binoculars, or if you haven't had a chance to make them yet, it's okay. You'll have plenty of time after children's time. So let's get going. The first thing we're going to do is close our eyes. When I say the word family, what's the first thing you think of with your eyes closed? Now I want you to remember what you're thinking of. You can open your eyes, and we're going to play a little game. For our game today, it's all the names of people that might be members of our family. Remember when I asked you earlier to think about those people that are in your family? 
I bet some of them are on here. Let's start with the first one. What what do you think this is? Cousin. C. What's the next one? Nephew. And how about the next one? Sister. And the next one? Uncle. Uncle and? Grandfather. Grandfather. What about the next one? Brother. And the next one? Niece. How about the next one? Aunt. We have three more left. What about this one? Daughter. Put a G in there. And what about this one? Son. And O. And the last one? Grandmother. Put a D in there. Now these all spell something special down the middle. It spells out, let's say it together, children of God. Because all of these people are God's children. We all belong to him. God's promise to us today in Romans 8 is that we are all children of God. And if we're all children of God, that means we're all part of one big family, God's family. And God is our Abba Father. My favorite word to describe family is Ohana. Ohana means family. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And I think that's exactly what God intended for us. Being part of a family means that you're loved and taken care of. And that's what God wants you to remember this week. He wants you to remember that you are his child and that you are a part of a much larger family than you could ever dream of. You are part of his family, his Ohana. So close your eyes again. And when I say the word family, does it bring a different picture to your mind this time? Does it include your faith family, those people from church that we miss seeing so much right now? And all your friends from Sunday school too? They're all a part of God's big Ohana. We are all God's children. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, amen. All right, I'll see you again next week for more adventures in Romans 8. Don't forget your binoculars and you can print off your activity sheet if you want to, too. And I love you and I miss you all so very, very much. Bye. Today's scripture is from Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to live to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, and in order that we may also share in his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, hello, friends. I call you friends because I know there are several fellow Christian sisters and brothers viewing right now, and I am just humbled 
to be here to give you God's message this day. I also want to thank uh, Pastor Steve for extending this invitation to me. My wife, Connie, and I have known Steve and Tricia for uh, close to 35 years, and I truly appreciate his ministry here at Faith Westwood. Now, here at Faith Westwood, we're just getting started with a series called Hang On, which tells us the wonderful promises of God as found in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And last week, we we heard the great news that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Today, we're going to learn about more promises from God. Now, before I begin looking at verses 12 through 17 more closely, I think we need to understand some of the context of the eighth chapter of Romans. To better understand what Paul is saying in chapter 8, we need to actually go back one chapter and see what Paul is wrestling with in chapter 7. In chapter 7, we see Paul struggling with the notion of how to live by the law of God. Let's stop here just a moment. I want to take us on a slight detour. What do we mean by the law of God? Well, what Paul means is the written code that we find, especially in the first five books of the Bible called the Torah, which is Genesis through Deuteronomy. The law sometimes refers to the Decalogue, more commonly called the Ten Commandments. Now, Paul grew up as a zealous Jew. He knew the Decalogue and the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And not only did he try to live by these laws, but he felt it was his duty to persecute any enemy of God who did not live by this law. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. After this personal encounter, he realized how wrong he was. He became a changed man. And now he was a zealot for the Lord. And in chapter 7, Paul is working out his theology concerning the written code and living by the law that Jeremiah said that God would write on our hearts. Let me use Paul's words to tell you how he worked this out. In verse 6 of chapter 7, Paul says, We are slaves, not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. And in verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under slavery to sin. Paul concludes that the written law is important as it gives us a template on how to live. But the more important law is the law of the Spirit written on our hearts. And so at the end of chapter 7, Paul says, With my mind, I am a slave to the law of God but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. Friends, my question for you today is this. How are you living out your life? Are you living by the Holy Spirit or are you living by the flesh? Because you see, that's what chapter 8 of Romans is all about. Okay, now that we've taken that little detour, let's get back to our verses for today, verses 12 through 17. We need to first talk about verses 12 and 13. Let me read those to you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What does this mean? Dying and living and and spirit with an uppercase S. Well, sometimes Paul uses the words death and life, and he isn't talking about a physical discontinuation of life. He's, He's talking really about something much more frightening. When Paul says that by the Spirit we will live, he means that we're going to be connected with God forever. And when he says that by the Spirit we will die, he means that we'll be separated from God forever. So living and dying is more than just the short time that we are physically on the earth. It's really an eternal thing. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 10 when he says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. As believers, we need to fear the second death, and we don't have to fear it. This eternal separation from God. And how do I know this? Because of the promises from God that come next in our scripture for today. Verses 13, 14, and 17 give followers of Jesus Christ three wonderful promises. So let's look at these one at a time. Verse 13 says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you're reading along, you should notice that the word spirit here begins with an uppercase S. Now, this is very significant. Anytime you see an uppercase S used with the word spirit, it specifically means the Holy Spirit. So what Paul is saying here in verse 13 is that those who live their lives being led by the Holy Spirit will live. Remember what we said about the meaning of the word live. So this promise is that those who have submitted to God through their belief in Jesus Christ, those who are followers of Jesus, those who are led by the Holy Spirit will be connected with God forever. The shorthand phrase that we use for this is eternal life. And the best part of this promise is that eternal life doesn't mean for the Jew what it may mean for you. And remember, Paul, who wrote these words, was first a Jew. When we think of eternal life, we might think of quantity, as in John 3.16, which I'm sure a lot of you know. For John, for God, so loved the world, he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. But you know what, friends? There's more to our eternal connection than living with God in heaven after our bodies give out. I'd like to reference John chapter 10, verse 10 for this. Jesus himself said, I have come that those who follow me may have life and have it to the full. You see, that's really what this first promise of God is all about. Not just a quantity of life, but a quality of life. It's what I call the rich, full life. So this promise found in verse 13 is is something we don't have to wait for. God wants to to give us and and to enjoy a, a rich, full life starting right now. We don't have to wait. What a great promise from God. But you know what? That's not all. In verse 14, we see another wonderful promise from God. Paul says this, 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This promise is that God is our good, good Father, and we are considered His children. Verse 15 continues explaining this promise by saying that believers have received a spirit of adoption. Here we have the word spirit with a lowercase s, so we know that Paul is talking about the human spirit. When we become children of God, we will not fall back into fear, but we've been adopted into the family of God. And what are the benefits of being a child of God? Well, there's several. First, there's a a peace and a contentment that we cannot find anywhere else. As a child of God, I have the security of knowing where I will be for all of eternity and who will be there with me. Once we're in God's hand, no one, nothing can snatch us away. You know, God loves us and wants us to have the best life that we could have. And the best illustration of this, I think, is found in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is teaching the disciples about prayer and tells them how much God wants to give to his children. He says these words, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, as children of a loving God, we will receive the Holy Spirit to guide us, to protect us, to comfort us, to convict us, and to illuminate us. As children of God, we have a special personal relationship with God. If we look at the end of verse 15, the beginning of verse 16, we see these words. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness to our spirit that we are children of God. Now this term, Abba is an Aramaic term of endearment for father. should be translated more like daddy or papa. I presided over a funeral a couple of weeks ago, and the children of this father who died affectionately called him Du. When I asked why, they said that when they were little, they called him Daddy Du. And later that got shortened to just Du. And if you're wondering, mommy was called Moo. Moo and Du, names used by children who love their parents. In that same way, God wants you to call him Daddy, to come to him when you're scared, to wrap yourself up in his loving arms and let him rock you to sleep, to tell him all about your day, no matter how mundane, And God wants you to spend time with him, just listening to him tell you how much he cares for you and how he wants to include you in his plans. You you see, 
we were all created by God for his pleasure, and he delights in being with you. In fact, you are his favorite child. So you see that God promises us a a rich, full life now and forever, and that we will be considered part of his family, but you know what? There's even more. Let's look at verse 17. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we're promised to inherit all that God has to offer. The end of verse 17 says that we may suffer with Christ so that we may be glorified with Christ. So the question to me is, what does this inheritance look like? That's a good question. And for that, we need to look no further than the story of the loving father. And you know this story. You probably know it by a different name. Most people call it the story of the prodigal son. But to me, it's really not about the son It's all about the father, a loving father. You know the premise. Two sons that are promised to inherit all the father has, and the younger son convinces his dad to give him his portion early, so he takes it and he squanders it on reckless living and bad choices. The son really gets into a lot of negative things, and, and they all happen to him until he gets to the point where he decides that he has to go home and see his father and ask for his forgiveness. Well, unbeknownst to the son, the father has been waiting and watching for this child to come home. In fact, I can just picture this father standing at the edge of his property, scanning the horizon, just hoping to catch a glimpse of his son whom he loves. And the Bible says, when the son was still a long way off, the father ran out to greet him. He wrapped his arms around his son and and it said that this son who once was dead is now alive. Welcome home. That story is really our story, isn't it? We've been living our lives, making bad choices, being led by the flesh instead of by the spirit. Well, you know something? Verse 13 in today's scripture is known in rhetoric as an if-then proposition. These wonderful promises of God are all conditioned on us letting the Holy Spirit put to death the deeds of the body. We need to come and see Eli. Eli is a character in Max Licato's great book called You Are Special. This story is about a wooden person named Punchinello who is a Wemmick. All the Wemmicks who lived in the village were wooden, and all of them were made by the woodcarver named Eli. All day long, the Wemmicks walked around and spent their time putting stickers on one another. A gold star for someone who did something great, and a gray dot for someone like Punchinello, who just didn't do things quite right. Punchinello tripped and fell, and He got a gray dot. And when he fell, he scratched himself up and he got more dots. He said something silly and people ran up to him to give him more gray dots. After a while, he was convinced that he was just not a good Wemmick. Then one day, he met someone who had nothing stuck to her. He asked her why that was and she said that every day she went up to talk with Eli. 
So Punchinello decided that he too would go and see Eli for himself. Let me allow Max Licato to tell the end of the story. Eli stooped down and picked up Punchinello and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I, I, I didn't mean to, Eli. I, I tried really hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give you stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello. He, he put his hands on those small wooden shoulders and he spoke very, very slowly. Because you're mine, that's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I'd been hoping that you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she's decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got lots of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. He lifted Punchinello off of the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out of the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Well, friends, God made you, and God doesn't make mistakes. Today we learn that we are promised to stay connected with God forever. We're promised that we are adopted into the family of God as his child. We are promised that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And you know, as great as these promises are, God isn't finished yet. Next week, we'll hear about how God cares for us in our suffering, but, but that's for next week. For now, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your gracious love for us. That None of us are perfect, Lord. We always let other people tell us whether we're good or whether we're not so good, and we tend to believe them. Help us, Lord, instead to come and see you every day and just to listen to you or sometimes 
tell you about our day because you want to have that kind of relationship with us. And most importantly, help us to believe you when you tell us how special that we are, how much you love us, and that you made us and that you don't make mistakes. Thank you for your wonderful promises and for being a wonderful promise keeper. All this we lift up and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father, it's who you are.
Thank you for joining our service today. I thoroughly enjoyed the message. How about you, Jeff? I thought Jeff? it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yes. And if you know anyone who would enjoy the message, be encouraged by the message, just send them the link, faithwestwood backslash service dot com. And at that link, you can also fill out a connection card, send us your prayer requests. You can also give to the financial ministry of Faith Westwood. And this week's mission offering is Bless Friend Fund. Right. And if, you, if anybody knows anyone that needs a little financial help, please be sure to con contact us. It's a great way for us to reach out and help the local community and help, you know, our neighbors. Amen. That's a part of this fun. It is to reach out to our community, to Oaks Park across the street from our building in Central Middle School. This week, the Children's Ministry are putting together bags of school supplies to give to the teachers, to give to the children. So what a great opportunity for mm -hmm. us to come alongside mm -hmm. our neighbors. So we are so blessed that you visited today and that you worshiped with us today. And we hope to see you next week. God Thanks bless. Thanks for coming.